Yep, me again. This podcast will contain more than just the F word, football. It'll also contain the C word too. That's right, conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Project Conversation, the podcast that keeps people talking. Next up on the podcast, joining me is Matt Ponta, my fellow uni friend. Matt, I know people can't see, but first things first, you've got a villa uh, jumper on. How are you doing, mate, after the weekend? I'm sure you're I, happy. I will wave to the... I, I know how audio works. I will wave to the people <laughs> I can't see. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm sporting a lovely... I don't know what colour it is, actually. Someone told me it's like a teal, blue, light green... Villa jacket. It's very warm. That's all I know. Yeah, it looks nice. And it's got nice. one of the best badges in the country. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's debatable. But, you know, doing well under Dean Smith. I mean, I never thought I'd say that because you're in the end. Well, I say the end for the season you had last season. Um, just a quick one on Villa. Surely you couldn't get top four, could you? Don't. It's tempting, <laughs> it's though. Such a tease. Um, no, I don't think so. We, the team's done really well this year, but... I don't. I. Eh, that that that's the answer that anyone would give you. I think it's just. I, a, eh, it's a touchy subject. Who knows? Maybe top six. Maybe top six. That doesn't look oh, out. Doesn't look out the realm. Just, you know, there's just games where they don't perform. Leicester game. Games where they do perform. Leeds game. Games where they don't perform. They do perform. It's the Premier League this season. You know as well as I do. Yeah. It's just this massive muddle up of results crazy but what I mean what got me was i was watching this morning that roy Keane interview oh, it's about um, sheffield united if liverpool are too tired to you know not put out a, a strong partnership against sheffield united they're moaning about it even though they won i've got to agree with roy Keane on that one like you go into a game put it put it into context you go into an fa cup game as a premier league team against league two you're expected to win aren't you yeah no matter what team you put out, you're expected to win that. Exactly. It's the same in the Premier League, top and bottom. You're expected to win at all costs, no matter what. Yeah. But it's an interesting season. It's not what we're actually going to talk about today, but we are going to talk about something that's loosely football-based. But, um, Matt, you are pretty much a jack-of-all-trades, but master of all, so to speak. And I know you're, you're, you're not going to take that, but you are. Um, we'll get on to the main topic in a moment. But first, it's time for... Who? What? Where? Yes, it's time for who, what, where. I'm going to ask Matt some random questions because I fancy it. And he's going to give me some answers. Um, no right or wrongs. It's just your opinion. So, yeah, let's crack on with who, what, where. Right, Matt, question one. Dinner party scene. You can invite two celebrities, past or present. Who are you choosing? Oh, goodness me. I've never heard of Steve, him. Steve, Steve Coogan, but as Alan Partridge. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Okay, I see that. Right, got to be. <laughs> How, how amazing would that be? <laughs> in his character, you know, James Bond's on in the background, just so he's happy. Oh, it changes on like, on a basis, doesn't it? You know, I could say that now, but then in a couple of weeks time, I'd be like, oh, actually, I'd have that person. So who, who would go well with Alan Partridge? Who'd bounce off him, so to speak? I've always wanted to meet James Corden and have a good laugh with him, but he'd have to be in his Smithy character, which might wind me up a little bit. I'm going to go... No, I know. I'm going to have Rob Brydon. And oh, Steve yeah. Cooper. Yeah, it's a great I'm going to have that, that partnership. 
Would I lie to you? That's all I've got. You know, Rob Bryden, that comes straight. Obviously, Gavin Stacey's well, but would I lie to you? He's so good at that as presenting. Mm-hmm. Question two. You are in a cinema. Uh, you're watching your life being played up to now. What actor are you choosing to play? Who looks like me these days? It doesn't have to look like you. Just someone that you think would be great <laughs> playing you. Oh, someone great playing me? Me? No? <laughs> I mean, you can have you. I wouldn't want to play me, I don't think. I wouldn't want to react, reenact some of the stuff that went on in life. Ryan Reynolds? Nice. Maybe. Nice. But I have to put on a good black country accent. Is that because you want to buy Wrexham Football Club in the future? Is that, is that, is that, is that part of that? Or Maybe. Just, maybe. Shh. Yeah. Don't right. blow the big secret. Sorry, we might as well end the podcast. That's what the podcast was about, wasn't it, really? It's all about Wrexham <laughs> Football Club. Yeah, well, moving on. Okay, what is your most embarrassing moment that springs to mind? And yes, this can be PG. Oh, there's not one for me that springs. There's plenty for other people that spring yeah. to mind, but there's not really. I can't think of one for me. Uh, oh, I know. Um, I was introducing someone from back home to some friends in Southampton, and I was going around everyone, and I was like, "This is this is Chris. This is Dan. This is um, this is Seb. This is his girlfriend Abby." And and I, and I went to I went to Dan, and I was like, "This is his girlfriend." <laughs> like, I just went complete mind blank and she looked at me in horror. Do you know when someone's got that drop face and they're like, <laughs> they're angry inside. They want, and I just, I just went, I'm really sorry. Just remind me. Cause I hadn't seen them like six months <laughs> at this point or it felt like it. And I just sort of lent my face and I said, go on, give it a slap. I deserve this. Oh no, fair and play. That is embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, so that was just like, it's Katie. Don't ever forget it. I was like, I won't, I won't. No, that's a good one. I think you might get, if you watch Graham Norton, I think you'd probably escape the red chair on that. That's a, that's a good story to tell. To <laughs> but I like that. That's a good one. Who is your inspiration? Off record, Hannah Watkins is my inspiration. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, had to do it. My inspiration, crikey. I would say probably my grandparents. Nice. Always no. been an inspiration. You, you know, when you go around to your grandparents, they've always got stories to tell. But yeah, yeah. Especially my grandpops while he was around. He, um, you know, I wrote it down the other day. We were, we'd always go around and take a computer game with us. But before we could install it, he'd make us sit down. We'd read every page of the terms and conditions. We'd read the instruction manual. We'd read how to in- install it onto the computer. Me and my brother knew how to do it. But if he taught us anything at that point, it was about having patience and being able to read and stuff like that. Things like that. Yeah. You know, stick with you forever, don't they? No, they do, mate. And I'm sure he'd be very proud of what you're doing now, mate. So I'll take the time to say that on the podcast, mate. So you put a smile on your face. Moving on, mate. I've got two really important questions that I need to ask you. The first one, I need to know how you make your perfect cup of tea. Perfect cup of tea. I get other people to do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, I um, mean, that works. But what would you expect? Right. The perfect cup of talk, 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 talk me through it because you know I need we need to get this. Do you remember when we were in like primary school we had to do an instruction book of this? I don't know. I don't remember. Do you remember I don't think we must did. be. I must be a Midlands thing. No one remembers. But someone out there is going to tweet in or you know send a miss message to you and say I remember in year three or four making an instruction book in English on how to make a cup of tea. You get your mug, you put your tea bag in, you wait for the water to boil. I leave it for about 10 or 15 seconds because right. otherwise there's something wrong with the water and it starts to do something. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I don't know what the word is. Anyway, pour water in. I leave it for about 30 seconds before I straight oh, the tea bag inside God, the mug. This is precise. Yeah, carry on. You asked for it. Right. Um, <laughs> take the tea bag out, go and grab the milk, bit of milk in, you know. 
not too white, not too dark. And then spoonful of sugar. Oh, you were doing so well. You were doing so well mm-hmm. until you mentioned the sugar part. Um, that sounds like a really detailed description of a cup of tea. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> and also, where do you place a Jaffa cake? Biscuit or a cake? No, no, we've had this chat briefly, but it's... I still stand by the fact that it is a biscuit. Okay, why? But you... Well, put it into context. that You go into, a, you, you go into a, any coffee shop ever and you have a coffee or a tea... You're in the coffee shop. You're going to have a coffee, aren't you? You yeah. Go in. I'll have, um, what shall I have today? I'll have a latte, please. And I'll have a slice of lemon sponge to go with it. Not once have I ever been into a coffee shop and gone, I'll have, um, oh, you're doing one of those gingerbread cappuccinos. Yeah, I'll have one of those. And um, oh, I'll have a box of Jaffa cakes. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have some of them to share. But if someone no. had a Jaffa cake cake, you'd have it. Why? Because it's a cake, mate. Yeah, but that's... That is a cake inspired by Jaffa cakes. Jaffa cakes are cakes, tiny little things. They're not cakes. So you're thinking they're biscuits? Yeah, they say they, they say they're cakes on the box, but they're not. Are they? I bet they've got the texture of it, maybe. But you know, you look at that. You you look at that, and you go, it's a biscuit. It's the same size as a biscuit. It's a biscuit. It's a cake. It's a cake. Okay. Okay, right. And don't get me started on calling it a mini cake because that's like a third off brand. Like it can stay in that off brand of mini cake if it has to. But between cake or a biscuit, to me, it's a biscuit. Okay, agree to disagree. Right, the last question, Matt. What is the first thing you are looking forward to doing after lockdown once we get out of this? First one that came to mind was see people that I haven't seen in a long time. Travel meet up with someone i don't care how far i have to go i'll go to scotland if i needed to just meet up and interact with people again face to face in person have a laugh have a couple of drinks maybe if we're mm. staying somewhere over the weekend something like that would be bliss and celebrate the the good times that we need to catch up on but you've still been busy though even despite being in lockdown you've been quite busy you're you're you are a secret author co-author 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 yeah i can't forget the first because you've wrote a book yeah. about your non-league local football team, which is Hells Owen. And that is basically the topic of the podcast, is that just because, you know, by trade, you're a commentator and a very good one. You can plug your, because you're currently working for Radio Hereford, for, well, Radio and Hereford Football Club, should I, say, should I say. How's that going so far? Good? It was going good until the league was suspended. Yeah. Sorry The nerves were really kicking in uh, over the weekend. Hereford against away at Aldershot in the FA Trophy. It's the quarterfinals. You, you know when you get invested in a club and you really are invested in their philosophies, you get to know the players, you get to know the teams. It's been difficult over lockdown because obviously I haven't been able to go and interact with the players as much as I wanted to, but you get to meet them on social media and whatnot. And I really felt the nerves commentating on that game. Hereford scored five minutes in, everyone was happy. The game went on and there were no goals come in and you're sitting there thinking, right, there's 10 minutes to go. There's five minutes to go. The semi-finals are almost in. Aldershot equalised in the 93rd minute and took it to penalties. My heart was pounding out my chest. I don't like penalties regardless of what team it is. And Hereford managed to win. All the emotions came out. That's what they say, isn't it? It's the best way to win. It's certainly the worst way to lose on a penalty shootout. 
but I'm glad that's going well. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a shame of what's happening in the current situation with all the, the, you know, the non-league teams and the season ending. But talk to me about Hells Owens. Talk, t- tell me the story about how this came about. Because obviously I, I know parts of it, but for the people that are listening, tell, t- tell us about Hells Owens and how the book came about. Okay, brief backstory then. In 2014, Hells Owens had started filming the games on YouTube as highlight packages. Something new to non-league, I think, a couple of students wanted to do it to start with. I went along and started doing the commentary, which is where this whole idea of being a commentator began, really. One of the cameramen was just a young lad, Ben, Ben Bullock. Got to know him for a while. Uh, we spent a couple of seasons together and we became really close friends uh, to the point where we were having conversations all the time about Hales Owen or football, but not even about that. We'd it's, it's the standard thing. We'd go out together, you know, we'd go on um, pub crawls or qu- quiz nights and stuff like that. You know, he's quite a quiet guy sometimes, but uh, he's over in America at the moment anyway. And he flew back for lockdown to be with the family. And last, this time last year, uh, Hales Owen were in the semi-finals of the FA Trophy. And lockdown happened, which meant the game couldn't be played. They were 90 minutes away. Um, from Wembley. So Ben and his uh, stepdad, Richard, decided to do a virtual walk to Wembley. They were going to share 126 miles between them and walk however many laps that was around the Grove, which is Hale's Owens Ground. So I went along, joined them for that. And Ben out of the blue, when he gets an idea, he sticks with it, no matter what it is. His mum's always told me that. He had this idea to go to uni in America. He's done that. Just want to interrupt you, sorry. I know you're in mid-flow and I'm really interested, but... <laughs> How many times did you walk around the pitch? I think they worked it out. They had to do about 70, 80 laps a day. Over how many four, days? Uh, seven days. Blimey. I can't remember now, actually, because it was, it was four. How far was it a lap? I don't know. I wasn't there. That's why I'm asking the right. question. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, there was quite, quite a few. That's laps. quite a lot. That's, that's, a quite, that's an achievement. And then, and then just to top that, you, you decide to write a book afterwards. Nice. Yeah, it was out of the blue, Ben sort of decided that uh, he apparently had the idea running for a couple of weeks before. It was like, when we were going around the ground, we were pointing out spots. Oh, do you remember when that used to be a concrete wall? Do you remember when, you know, in the space of about four or five years, a lot has changed. And we were walking at one point with an ex-chairman, a few ex-players, current players, and they were all talking about what what the, why, why they were doing it and why me and Ben are so involved in the club from the media side, which we still are. And they were saying, oh, the history of this place is so... And Ben must have snapped and gone, well, actually, we're thinking of doing it. And I was like, are we? Okay, I'm in. He's <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're doing a history book. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And that's where the idea came about. And of course, it all exploded from there. We gave ourselves what a stupid little amount of time to do it in. I think Ben said, oh, well, we'll start now end of March and we'll get it done by July for a, a you know 170 page history book on a football club that no one's done research in properly before how difficult was it when you actually did the idea and sat down because obviously you love the club and it means a lot to you but when you sat down how difficult was it to actually go oh my gosh there's a lot of work to do here I'm really glad that Ben's an organized person because <laughs> he created <laughs> I, I, I am organised myself in my own little world. Um, but Ben really did sit down one night and woke me up the next morning with this massive Google document, you know, of um, and, and spreadsheet of a timeline of 
what we were going to do. We'd split it up into seven chapters, giving ourselves a certain time frame in each, which obviously, you know, made it a bit easier to fill out the gaps. We then jotted down every single year on this big document. And every time we found a piece of information, we'd just add it in uh, while we were doing the research and whatnot. The later years from probably about 1980 onwards were the easy ones to do, which I took up. <laughs> Mainly because Hale's Own was so successful in the 80s. They won two FA Vases out of three finals they went to. Uh, they won the league three or four times in a row. Made the FA Cup first round is it seven or eight times in a row. Sort of spell. The last time they did was 2004-05, I think. So it's been a long time since. But once we'd done all that, we finally sat down and said, okay, Ben was going to write the earlier years. So I was going to do this. But then we bounced off each other anyway, because the only place we couldn't go was like the local archives, because they were all closed. The libraries were closed. But we were really fortunate the British newspaper archive online just has anything and everything you could ever need. To the point where we were zooming in on articles of, you know, old team sheets from the 1800s and, and stuff like that. So you went back from the whole time of when Hell's Island yeah, so, literally found. So we wanted we wanted to do from the formation forwards. Wow. You know that's that's you know it was it was just it it wasn't an in depth history book that we wanted to do. We wanted to do a good outline and a good storyline. So fans like myself you know, didn't know much from 1980s before, knew a bit more. The difficult part was the club had been founded or, or were founded in 1873. That's what everyone was thought. <laughs> so when it came to researching, we thought, oh, okay, we'll go on the paper archives. We'll go to 1873, search Hales Owen. Something will come up about a football club being formed. Nothing, nothing at all. And well, we thought that can't be right. Someone at the club's got a piece of paper somewhere. Couldn't find a thing. 1877 rocks along and we suddenly find out that a Hales Owen football club exists in the paper. It exists in the world. And the most, the most interesting thing is we thought if we skip forward to about 1923, it'd be the 50th anniversary. No mention. 1927, there is a lovely piece I think we wrote in from the Sports Argus that says, Hales Owen Town formed half a century ago. And we thought, ah. Okay, now that's interesting. So the debate that we had, we had um, a big Zoom meeting not long ago discussing whether the club was formed in 73 or actually 77. Because in two years' time, technically, it will be 140 years at the club. Wow. That is it. So now, after doing all the research, do you actually know when Hells Owen was founded? We are still searching. The, the latest incredible. line of inquiry, the latest line of inquiry goes down to the Halesowing Cricket Club, who we've recently discovered had to fold in 1870. And there's no mention of them until 1877. Now, I pitched two ideas to Ben when he told me about this. I said, right, you've got one option that no newspaper covered any sport at all within seven years on Halesowing. Or the spark of Hale's own football club being formed in 1877 made the cricket club realise that they need to get back on board. So we're, we're currently researching a lot into that. 
So you're still, so the book's actually been released, hasn't it? And it's, it's gone down pretty yeah. well for what you've told me. And congratulations. People don't actually know this, that you're actually doing this alongside uni because you were doing this last year. You're a student. You're the same age as me as well. So that must have been doubly tough to do it alongside a uni course. How far can this book go? What's left that you want to get out? Is it just that bit about where they found it? Or do you think there's going to be more not as long books, but maybe more shorter books, because it's more than just a non-league football club, isn't it, really? And I think this is the point you wanted to get across. It's a community, you know, it means more to the people around the village and the city. So is there more Is there more to this? Yeah, there's... Obviously, the book that we wrote in the end was, you know, a culmination of five months of work put together very quickly, um, to the point where at one point my, cr- my old laptop completely crashed and we had to rewrite a whole chapter within a night and a half. Fortunately, we had all the notes and everything to remember that from, but that was a really, really difficult evening from what I remember. That being said, you know, the whole, the whole book that we wrote, as I said, is it's, it's more of a story of the club than an in-depth history. There's so much potential for us to now go back and do maybe volumes of each chapter so chapter one was 1873 to the early 1900s that can now be potentially a separate book but featuring everything that we found from those years you know every newspaper article written and interpreted every single team sheet listed all the fixtures that we can find in that book because we skimmed over quite a lot of this you see because we fit it in, well, we managed to fit it into 170 pages. So, wow. you know, how did that all work? Because I know people might be listening in, and you know what? People might look at this and think, God, it must be really difficult to write and actually produce a book. So, how did it all get published and everything? And is it an on- online document? Because, then, you know, people might be listening to this podcast and thinking, I wonder what it takes to actually write something and to have that much, pa- that many pages, so to speak, of 170 odd. It's not an easy job. It is the most time-consuming, <laughs> tedious, annoying, mind-flustering thing you could ever imagine. Once I mean, it's done, you celebrate like crazy and you don't want to see your piece of work again for about a month. You've really okay? sold it there, by the way. You've really sold <laughs> it there. It's, it's, it's worth it in the long run. I'll put it yes. out there. It's worth it in the long run. But for that, I think we spent three days. We had to read through everything twice, spelling checks, the lot. We got someone else to read it through. But then... The publisher we went with, you have, we went for a square book, but you have to format everything into the square. We also had some photo pages which had to be inserted and had to be in the correct order because they were in, so they had to be on a certain page number. So we had to go through and make sure that every page was correct. All of the sentences were on new pages. The page numbers followed. The chapters, we then had to index it all. So there's a lot of extra once we've once we wrote the thing there's a lot of extra work to put it yeah. in one massive pdf document and make sure it is spot on because if you get it wrong then you could have photo pages uh, photos on a page that's not a photo page and then it ruins the rest of the book go on just to sum it up quickly what were the three things when you were doing the book that you learned what are the three things you took out of it i learned that we can do it you can write a book in a short space of time. So it's regardless possible. Of how, regardless of how historical something is, people told us, oh, you need to spend five years on this. And we said, no, it's okay, we'll do it. And we've done it. So that's one thing we learned, that we can do it when you put your mind to it. In terms of learning things about the club, it taught me how many people come in and disappear 
again a non-league i know we take that for granted we say oh the team changes every year but you don't realize between the space of even three or four seasons how many different names that you start you know seeing and they start cropping up as soon as one world star player comes in they're gone that's it you know, there's a, there's a good period for Hale's own. It might have been the twenties and the thirties, even the sixties and seventies, where they'd have a fantastic team of players. All of a sudden, they've all dissipated everywhere because they've been snatched up by clubs that can afford them. The third thing, I suppose, a lot of patience again was yeah. learned. The amount of time that me and Ben would be on a Zoom call saying, "Right, we need to do this. We need to do this," and I'm telling them, "Right, we need to be patient and just take our time because at the end of the day, even though we've only got five months to do it, it's got to be right." You know, you can't, we can't just skim over something and say, oh, is that correct? Oh, we'll just leave it in. Someone's going to pull it up and go, no, you've got that completely wrong. You've written it, you know. You can't just delete it or put Tipex over your book. You can, but it doesn't look right, does it? <laughs> so it's that ability so, yeah, to work pressure. under pressure as well, I guess, because you've got a deadline in what you said was a stupid amount of time. But, you know, you put your head down and you succeeded and you yeah. smashed it. And I was looking at how it was going this afternoon well this morning as we're doing this podcast mid-afternoon and uh i type in hell's owen and you and ben are one of the first searches to come up in google because you're two you're two journalists who've wrote a book about it so fair play to you mate but thanks Ponder, for that it's a it's honestly it's a great insight and it's 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 something because it's not really related to football obviously it's a football club but it's that sort of you've written a book which i think a lot of people look at and go i'm not writing a book but you, it can be done. And that is the do you know, point. Do you, know, do you know what? When, when the initial idea came up, obviously I jumped in and said, yeah, we'll do it. And then I sat down at home <laughs> and I thought, hold on a minute. What have I've got to write a dissertation about, um, you know, the Premier League and football and broadcasting money and everything. That was hard enough as it was, because that's an academic piece that goes towards my final degree. That took priority, obviously. And then I'm thinking... I really want to join in and write this book because we will have the best and most frustrating time doing it. And the reward obviously afterwards has been fantastic and we're still going now and it's a good project to have. But I sat there thinking, you know, people write books when they're 40, 50, 60, you know, when they're they're getting on a bit, you know, 22, published author. It's just one of those things where you go, some people have done it. I'm going to join that group. Fair play to you. You should, you should be proud of your achievement. It is, mate, it's, it's class, honestly. But I can't let you go without asking you then three questions about Hell's Owen. So it's time for... Guest Petees. It's time for Guest Petees. Matt, you've been talking about Hell's Owen because it is your topic and it's your podcast, not my podcast, because it's the Project Conversation, the podcast that keeps people talking. I'm going to ask you three questions on Hell's Owen, Matt. All you've got to do is get them right. And if you don't, well, I, don't know. I, I don't really know. I mean, just, just try and get oh, them right. Okay. All right? Simple as, <laughs> right? You know, like you can't you can't splat me with a pie in the face, can you? I can't do anything because we're doing this over. You know, we're not we're not together. We're still in lockdown, all right? So let's get that out there. Question one: um, The season was finished in October, but who was the last team Hellzone played against? Was it Cambridge? Or was it Dunstable? Oh crikey! It'd have been Dunstable, I think, in the league. Correct. Well Good. done. But the last the last official game that they played was mid-season friendly. It was against Coventry United, I think. I think you're right. Okay, one, four, one, four, three, I think. There you go. You know your stuff. Know. Question two. When that league game finished, where were Hells Owen in the league? I can't remember. Did we beat Dunstable one? You didn't. You lost. Oh, we didn't. Oh, okay. No, um, you lost 3-1. Well, that's what he says on the website. <laughs> no. Funny because uh, Hells Owen lost their last league game the season before as well. Oh, where did we finish? I would have thought 
it was a topsy-turvy season as it was, so it'd have been like 10th or 11th, but we, we, there was a good run of form at some point. So the team, I think, just outside the playoffs in 7th. Oh, you're stuffed, mate. No wonder you're an expert when it comes to Hells Owen. That's two out of three. And the last one, which is about more now, what assistant manager left during the week? John Snape. Former player, brought back into management by Paul Smith. Great guy, you know, on and off the field. But yeah, he's, he's taken some time away, which is a shame. But, you know, as the football season doesn't seem to be carrying on this year. You know, can't stop him. But three out of three, punter. Smashed it. Woo-hoo. You're an expert when it comes to Hells Owen. Now, before you go, just quickly, I forgot to say that you are from the Midlands and you're from Birmingham, hence why you've got an Aston Villa top on. Before we sign out, can you leave and do your Brummie accent just so people can hear it? Because, goodness me, it's a great Brummie accent. It's really not. It's, it, it is. Oh, if you do it properly, like uh, you said to me on the phone. I, it's, I will it's say great. something. I just want to really emphasise the fact that where I'm from, um, this accent can get quite thick with some people. Honestly, people that never heard the accent before. Um, I always, they always say, oh, you're from, you're from, you're from, Bur- you're from Dudley. I'm not from Birmingham, I'm from Dudley. You're from the black country. Where's your accent gone? What, why aren't you speaking like this? And, uh, well, the, the truth is, I, I don't, I don't use it. I, I, why, why would you want to talk like that? I mean, you could understand anything I'm saying. So I, I, mean, so I just completely throw it away and I don't use it. Some people, honestly, around here, they'd say some weird words and you'd be like, Right, okay. I know you're speaking in black country. I don't know what you're talking about. Even I don't understand sometimes. So that's why I got people saying, because I, I, to be honest, sometimes you've gone really thick and I, I haven't understood. What did you just say? <laughs> um, yeah, I agree, Ponta. Yeah. Anyway, mate. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Three out of three on the guest expertise. I feel like I know everything about Hells Owen. And I hope Ryan Reynolds plays you as well as he can do in the film. Yeah, it'd be great. I look forward to coming watching My Life About Ponta. I haven't bought a book. I you haven't. haven't bought the book. I'm waiting for a free Talk copy. You haven't bought the book. I haven't bought the book. I was waiting for a free copy. Yeah, where, can can they can people still buy the book if they want? Yeah, we still we've still got copies online. If you the best way to do it, if you go on the Hales Own website and then under one of the tabs on the end, I think it's in the community, there is Yelp's Men Book, and you can just click on that. Um, Delivery is all included in the price on on the website that's shown. So you just click, press buy, type in your details and. We will send you a Yeltsmen book. Look at that. What a way to finish. Matt Potter, thank you for being part of the podcast. Hopefully get you on again. Uh, that's it from us on Project Conversation. Join me next week when I'll have another guest. Talk about whatever they want because it is Project Conversation, the podcast that keeps people talking. See you next week. Should I have a bit? <laughs>